Hey everybody, this is your Keeper speaking. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again to A Horror Borealis. Rather than waiting for a mid-roll, I wanted to slip in here at the beginning and touch base on just a few things before we get into the episode. Then I'll let you listen to it uninterrupted. First things first, for various personal reasons on different ends, many weeks passed in between the original recording of last week's episode and the time that we recorded this week's episode. For this reason, yeah, you'll notice a handful of continuity errors. Try to just roll with it. Some of them get sorted out in the days to follow, some don't, but I truly adore where this arc ended up and where we decided to bring the story around once we found it again. I hope you can forgive the lapse in detail. I think you'll find it is more than compensated for by the editing quality itself, and that's because I didn't edit this one. <laughs> this episode was pulled together by none other than Val Patrone, who is an absolute superstar of an audio editor and a joy to work with. If you don't already know Val's fantastic production work from The Cryptid Keeper, then just know it's a big step up from what I was able to do on my own. It's looking like external editing is going to end up being a sustainable change to the show, and one I selfishly would definitely prefer to keep up, so look for that to continue in the foreseeable future. Speaking of the foreseeable future, there is one more episode in this arc after the one you're about to hear, and it's a doozy. Then we've got another Summer Frights for you, a Winterlude, and a fun bottle episode before we dive into the next arc, which just started releasing on our Patreon. You can catch up for as little as $1 per month by making a pledge of any amount to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, which will also get you access to a number of bonus episodes, as well as, depending on your tier, a handful of other side projects and limited-run shows Addison and I create for our donors over there. It's all a ton of fun, and it helps keep the proverbial lights on here at Aurora Borealis as well. Speaking of which, as of last week's episode, we officially passed over 50,000 downloads of this show. That is so remarkable, and I cannot express enough my enormous gratitude and awe at everyone who has supported us, shared what we do, or convinced a friend to come along. We obviously would not be here without you, and we wouldn't want to be. Thanks for joining us time after time in Revenant. Here's to the next 40 episodes and another 50,000 downloads to come. Anyway, that's all for today, so enjoy the episode without any further ado. As always, the part of Mariah Harris is played by Addison Peacock. The part of Martha Campbell is played by Tim Werner. The part of Siobhan O'Shaughnessy is played by Andrew Giada, who also composed our excellent theme music. I'm your keeper, Alex Flanagan, and our audio editor is Val Patrone. Thanks again for tuning in, and enjoy the rest of the show. Bye! known all day we were finally gonna be doing this but now it feels real now it is real it's been legitimately so long it's been like two months it really it's been has. a very long time my friends yeah um it's been a but here we are day without, without you, you my, my friends friend. but i'll tell you all about it when i game with you again okay oh nice i wrote that song just for you. <laughs> that was all just for me, just for us, mm -hmm. just for our friends on this cool good space. Don't Google it. That's not a real song. I wrote it just now. <laughs> you cannot Shazam that. If you Google it, you won't find anything because Addison just wrote it. It's like none of you are even listening. <laughs> Don't look it up. 
anyway, yeah, so here we are back in the space again. I'm really excited for today's episode. I have some really cool ideas that I am very hopeful for. Um, I wish I would have thought of them sometime in the last two months <laughs> and not today while I was at work. That's okay. So hopefully they are fully formed enough to take shape in this space and make something beautiful out of the adventure along the way. Um, I can almost guarantee there will be details between the last episode and this episode that uh, do not line up in any way whatsoever, <laughs> so don't tweet <laughs> us about it. We know. We have forgotten all of them. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, how we all doing tonight? Pretty good. Doing well. Looking forward to playing in the space. Yeah. Afraid I have forgotten perhaps everything. Who are you again? Who's Tamoraya? You know what? I'm not sure. Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna find ourselves. It's gonna be great. Uh, Andrew, how you doing? I am here. Hello. Hi. Here I am. That was really encouraging and also convincing about the positivity <laughs> of your state at this moment. I I am right here. Hello. <laughs> feel feel really good and really right I about dragging so you into a horror game. Really great. Let me continue to emphasize how glad I am I that am Andrew ready is here. To yes. be scared. <laughs> um, we scare because we care here on a horror morning. <laughs> I only care when Pixar's I scare. Pixar's gonna come for you. You know that, right? God, I wish they would. Scaring is caring. Give me one day in court. <laughs> oh man <clears throat> so uh yeah i guess some content warnings up top i don't always know what scary things are going to happen in advance but i kind of do today i have a bit of a, a bit of an, an an advance notice for you all and again if anything gets to be the point where we're like oh i'm not ready for this right now or this isn't somewhere i feel comfortable going then we can script change it up. We can uh, pause, stop, rewind, fast forward, fade to black, cut, line, veil, whatever, what have you. Anything that we need to do to change it, we'll fix it up on the fly. It'll be fine. But we are probably going to be dealing with like a little bit of unreality sort of stuff. We're probably going to be dealing with um, some like not repressed memories, but like revisiting memories and mm -hmm. potentially exploring them. Um, frightening imagery. There's probably going to be some body horror because we're going to be revisiting some things. And body horror is like the number one tag on this podcast. So I'm almost positive it'll come up. So yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of going to be the gist of it today, I think. But really, it's going to be a great time. That's yeah. Cool. I believe you. Cool. Um, do we all, we all ready to buy in? We're here for it. Scare me. <laughs> cool. Um, so as of uh, our last episode, our last adventure, as it were, our, our jaunt, our voyage, we ended with this sort of uh, largely formed idea about what we wanted to do with our big magic. If you mm -hmm. all recall, we came up with this plan basically to do a magic circle and use that energy and that influence to basically alter the uh, the general mood of the town vis-a-vis -vis the forest and the park and the, yeah. the energies collecting there, sort of trying to uh, re-emphasize good memories about the park and mm -hmm. revisit like people's positive associations with the forest in attempts to counteract the bad magics that are sort of festering and causing the negative energies and the scary things to like warp in on themselves. So that's the plan that we had. 
we all discussed the need for magic items of mm-hmm. some variety that would give you like an anchor or a totem or something to sort of channel those energies with something with a strong emotional impact for your character so that you would have something to sort of ground you going into that space. Yeah. To the best of my recollection, Mariah and Martha both said, cool, got it, went to get their things. Um, Siobhan and Hawk went on a little bit of a side quest with the intention of returning and meeting back at Hawk's house later, which is where I think you're going to perform the ritual. Um, Siobhan, you went with Hawk to the Funplex and recovered your brand new magic item. Yeah, your spectral shield. Uh, I said bitchin' shield. Yeah, it is a bitchin' spectral shield. (laughs) Slap. Yeah. Bracelet. Yes, the slap bracelet. It is all of those things, and a bitchin' one at that. That was such an amazing misdirection. I was so shaken by it. I loved that. (laughs) (laughs) It it was always going to be. It had to be the slap bracelet. No, I know. I just, I'm very... you know this, you've watched many things with me. I'm very, it's very easy for twists to like sneak up on me because I'm like a very naive viewer when I watch things. No, I'm not I, to I solve appreciate, it. I appreciate people that like you that, that buy into the face value, uh, like the plot trope that is handed to you because otherwise subversion would be no fun, right? I want to so. be swept away. Yeah. So here we are. Sweep me. So, um, are we ready to meet back up at Hawk's place and get this magic circle on the road? I think so. Yeah. Great. Then um, let's pick right up with a shot of, I guess, Siobhan and Hawk opening the door and walking back into the scene. Are the other two of you there already? Uh, that seems the most convenient. Yeah. Seems Yeah, it seems convenient to do that. <laughs> okay. So, um... Siobhan, how are you? How are you carrying yourself with this entrance? I'm, I'm like walking. I don't. Yeah, know but like, I, when, when you, when you left, I put myself in a tote bag. Stop. When you left this place with these people, you were in a, um, a pretty shaken way. You were not doing the most hot. You went. You got this item. We had kind of this big moment. I want to know. How it's affected you visibly? How right. is Siobhan Thank you. feeling? Thank you for reminding me um, because I forgot it's been so long. Since <laughs> it has been very played. long. I think she's probably calmed down some mm-hmm. and realized like there's still stuff to do that is more important right now. So she is not all hot and and angry and hot headed. She's always hot. Oh, and angry mistake. (laughs) Oh man, Uh, thank you for clarifying. Yes, I do appreciate that. Um, Do you have your shield out, or are you just wearing your slap bracelet? No, I'm just wearing the slap bracelet. Hell yeah, that's so dope. Um, Okay, so you uh, you push open the door, you enter into the scene. Uh, If you'll recall, you had the rest of the little group with you as well, which is to say that you had um, Rangers Ganon and Merrily, and also, um, and this is wild, again, it's been two months, um, you have the unconscious mayor. Oh, shit. Oh, I forgot. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot. I completely forgot about the unconscious mayor. (laughs) Don't worry about it. He's just kind of weekending at Bernie's over there. No. Do you know how I've started picturing the mayor? Just having too, a good time. I'm watching Parks and Rec. I picture him as Councilman Jam. Oh my oh, god. 
That's quite good. <laughs> oh, goodness. I picture him as being, like, more generic looking than Councilman Jam, but that, like, the energy is right. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just because uh, it's infiltrated That's so my freaking brain. funny to me. Okay. <laughs> I'm just shocked that you've been picturing him, period. I'm shocked anybody thinks about the mayor when we're not actively <laughs> dealing with him. I think I just, like, went bad government man, and that was the <laughs> slot ah, It is he. <laughs> the default bad government man. Very good. Siobhan and Hawk re-enter the house. Mariah and Martha, you are there. Is there anything you have done to set up the room in a specific way in this time? I just want to get an idea of what the space looks like here. Is there anything we should have done? No, not necessarily. I just don't know what you have okay. in mind. Remember, one of the stipulations of this magic ritual is that you are going to have to be the ones to guide it. I lit some candles. Um, oh, candles okay. are good. Love that. Uh, coffee and tea for everyone. I love that. I love the hospitality that is present here. I lit some candles and arranged them in a pentagram. Good. Okay, great. <laughs> We're summoning the devil. It's great. No, it's okay. No, because has done enough research to know that the pentagram is actually symbolic of the five elements. Oh, uh, Water, okay. earth, air, fire, and spirit um, in pagan faiths. Well, so anyway. um, I think I think if you were doing this, um, Ranger Marilee probably took like uh, a ball of crochet yarn out of her backpack and like strung a circle around the candles because it because it felt right. Nice. Oh, very nice. Uh, cool. So there's there's coffee and tea out. I'm imagining like maybe what what little furniture there is in this room has sort of been pushed off to the sides. Mm-hmm. It's up against oh, the yeah, walls absolutely. now. You have this big what if this I big circle you, in the middle of the room. What if I told you that the candles were those trick birthday candles that you can't blow out? <laughs> Oh my god. Is that to ensure they stay lit the entire time? Was that your... That's hilarious. Now I'm just envisioning, like, you know, in in spooky scenes when it's like, there's a sudden wind from nowhere and it blows all the candles out. Like, halfway through this ritual, that happens, but the candles just stay lit. And so then, like, there's an awkward pause and the mysterious wind blows again and the candles just keep coming back. Anyway. One of them um, is just the one where it burns down and then it plays happy birthday when it gets to a certain point. (laughs) That's when you know you've been in too long. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's your your space. Um, Martha, what is the, the magical item that you have with you? Um, Martha goes over to the couch that's pushed against the wall and um, reaches into her bag and pulls out a really raggedy and kind of dull-looking hippo. As Bobo the hippo. And he's very bright for his age. Yeah. <laughs> we love Bobo. We stand. Uh, and Mariah, what is what is your magical object? It is uh, a well-thumbed copy of uh, Roald Dahl's Matilda, um, which came out, which is now at this point in time, uh, eight years old, which doesn't mean Mariah got it and read it when she was about 16. Nice. I love it. But she didn't tell it. And so she just kind of kept it to herself, didn't tell anybody because it is like a children's book. But it is also a book about a little girl destroying uh, systems of power with her mind and her love of reading. So did you know as soon as Hawk mentioned needing like magical objects that this is the book you were looking for? Or was there like, yeah, was there did it take you a moment when you got back to your library? No, I think uh, if anything's going to make me feel like I have mysterious or magical powers. It's a book about a little girl whose magical powers are intrinsically linked to her knowledge. I love it. Her desperation to escape a circumstance in which she's unhappy. I love Mariah so much. Did you know that I'm crying? 
Oh, no. It's going to be a long hour, my friend. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So there you have it. You all have your objects of significance. Big coffee stain on the front. Oh, thank God. You all have your objects of significance. You have your circle laid out before you. What do you do? Um, I think I just kind of look over to Hawk. Just do we hold hands, or how does this work? Um, Martha just kind of looks over to Hawk, kind of like asking what to do. And I know that that's not going to get anywhere, but like still, it's just like, yeah. He, um, he still looks a bit weary, a bit worn, um, but he catches your glance and he smiles encouragingly and gives you a reassuring nod like, yeah, this is, this is your thing. Um, and he steps over and places a hand on your shoulder and says, it's up to you now. You know what you mean to do and I know you're going to do it. Martha throws Bobo into the fire. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. God. (laughs) That's the kill all the children of this episode. (laughs) <laughs> dark martha has returned um, um please do not throw bobo into the fire no no no, that's not happening that was uh that was a fleeting thought that just fluttered past whenever you say something like this i picture like in somewhere in the live action horror borealis we're getting it's one of those things where like oh, we yeah. actually see that scene happen first and then like it jumps back and we realize that that was not actually Martha what Martha says, oh, to definitely, the camera. Martha definitely, looks definitely. dead at the camera and says, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so step into the circle, brave adventurers. All right, stepping into the circle. You as players know what you're after and you as characters, I think, know the same. I think that Mm -hmm. your intention is clear in your mind. And even if you don't know how you're going to accomplish it or even how on earth it's possible to do what you know needs to be done, I think at least that much is is set inside you. I think that much is solidified. You have a very unified sense of what has to happen. You know exactly what your end goal is. And that is what's pulling on you as you step into the circle. I think Mm -hmm. that if anything, you find that your focus grows clearer once you're here in this space. And maybe it's something about the ritualistic elements or the candles and the yarn and the, the dim light in the room that makes it feel more real somehow this time. But there's a sense of purpose that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. It is still awkward for a moment, and I think that at first it feels like nothing really is happening. You're just a group of people standing in a living room awkwardly holding random objects, and for a second that's all that it really is. Um, Maybe that even feels a little bit embarrassing, a little bit awkward, and maybe that's enough to almost break the spell for a moment, but I think that Siobhan, I think out of the corner of your eye you see... Ganon open his mouth to say something smart-assy, and suddenly that rush of indignant determination courses through you, and your intention is solidified, and I think that in that moment, suddenly you are so certain that you are going to do this, that you are going to take control of this moment and accomplish what needs to get done, that it doesn't matter how it happens. 
And yeah, I really hate Ganon, huh? <laughs> That's what you've given me to work with. Well, yeah. I don't know. You can correct me if you're wrong. If I uh, ever say no, anything no, about no, your no, character no, that right. doesn't feel right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, but I think suddenly that, that indignance and that determination courses through you, and it almost feels like it ignites the yarn at your feet like a fuse. You, you feel, not see, but feel a... A hot white light ring the space between all of you, and it's as if a direct line has been opened. With a sort of sixth sense that you can't explain, you suddenly feel everything. Martha, it's the least shocking for you because this is a feeling you've had before, and in fact, right now, it's significant only in its suddenness and its intensity. Uh, I think that for Mariah and Siobhan, though, it's pretty intense and overwhelming. But... All of you feel the forest in the same way you might feel lightning in the air after a heavy storm or cobwebs on your skin long after they're gone. You're aware of people murmuring at the edges of your mind, thoughts forming in words that you can't hear and moods you can't dispel. Every thought that you form on your own seems to be made of colors, and every sound that you hear in the room physically around you seems to be ringing glass. You're nowhere and everywhere, and strangest of all, that somehow makes sense. You are in this circle, and you're also everywhere that everyone else is around you. You are, if not one with the sensations around you, then deeply understanding them in a way that you never have before. Time seems to slow to a standstill, or rather to stop meaning anything altogether. You can't tell what movements you make are perceptible only to the people in the circle around you or what you're actually doing in the physical space of the room that you were standing in a moment ago, but none of it seems to matter. What do any of you do? It's, 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 it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What are your reactions? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? I don't know if... Martha's really feeling a whole lot. Um, Cause like you said, it's not a new experience. Um, so I think the depth of it is okay. Not the sensation, but I think to this magnitude, mm -hmm. you've maybe never tapped in this much before. I think the closest you've come is when you sort of tapped into the forest hive mind for lack of a better word as a whole but even that was was brief this mm -hmm. is you know if that was sticking your foot into an ice cold ocean and pulling it back out this is just cannonballing in looking around or kind of feeling around uh is there anything that i can latch on to mm -hmm. uh yeah there's mariah and siobhan okay friends I figured it out, guys. That's the show. It's all about friends. Oh. <laughs> I would, did it take you this long? <laughs> I would say, not to not to jump in, um, my knees probably give out a little bit. I have to sort of grip mm -hmm. on a little tighter to my friends. Lean on them, you know? <laughs> Seeing that, I kind of want to, like, reach out and g grab her hand. Mm -hmm. Just to be like, hey, I'm here. Um, Siobhan, how is all of this feeling for you? You've spent 
so many of the last several months sort of having this relationship with magic where you're curious about it, but always at a distance. What does it feel like to now be in this space entirely immersed? Yeah, definitely not what she was expecting. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like she felt like it was it was going to be some kind of big rush of like adrenaline, you know, it, and it felt like super good to do magic all the time. And mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot more overwhelming, I think, than she anticipated. I think as you're sort of finding your proverbial footing in this space, you're sort of feeling out the edges of what this very nebulous experience is. And maybe you're beginning to pull out and identify different sensations, different, different things that you're feeling. And I think all of a sudden, as you're starting to sort of reach out and look for some sort of emotional experience to hold on to, suddenly fear slams into your stomach with a feeling like wet cement, fear and, and panic and, uh, and this fear feeling of being overwhelmed. It's, it smells like burning pine and rusted steel. You feel like you're supposed to stagger backwards, but you have no idea where your feet have gone. You have a sudden understanding that words can't reach and you realize that what you're feeling right now is beyond the circle. You're feeling revenant, all of it. These pinpricks of bright discomfort in your mind's eye dot the darkness like stars, each one of them with a name and a face and a history, many of them familiar to you, but each of them feeling with a range and an intensity that's almost too much for one person. And if any one of those is too much for one person, then together it certainly is. You need to find some way to solidify your aim because suddenly being immersed in and surrounded by the magnitude of what it is that you have to do is overwhelming and a bit alarming. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're able to to start to grasp onto the edges of what you came here for. And you're thinking like memories, 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 mm -hmm. memories. You have to find this. And with that attempt to focus on your mission, suddenly something begins to crystallize. And Mariah, yeah. you find yourself in a clearing in the forest and it's glowing with a soft ethereal blue light. The air hangs with lightly luminescent spores suspended in space and time, and vines snake slowly at your feet. You feel like you're dreaming, but it's not a dream, because you've been here before. Mm -hmm. Your feet kick up against something that yields slightly, and you know better than to look down, because you know how this ends. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a plant with beautiful blue petals that's glowing softly, and you're terrified. What do you do? I, um, <clears throat> I, uh, slowly, I would want to maybe make a slow 360 turn, taking the fullness mm -hmm. of the space. Um, sure. You look around and the clearing continues, but it's strange. It's like the way you would see something in a dream where your mind has to sort of 
fit things together that don't exist in reality because it doesn't have the full scope of the image to work with. Mm -hmm. You are reconstructing this area around you out of the parts of it that you know, but since so much of it is unknown to you, you begin to see patterns in repetition. The same leaves showing up in the same pattern covering the patches of ground that were previously fuzzy on the edge of your memory. Mm -hmm. You have that strange sensation that somebody has when they're lucid dreaming, where they're aware that what's around them isn't quite real, but they can't quite figure out how to leave it. Right. Okay. Um, If it's not real, then it's safe for me to approach the flower or not. You can do whatever you want. Thanks, Alex. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I... Uh, you also have die rolls if you want to try to use any of those. Oh, my God. It's been so long. I forgot. Let me uh, let me pull up my <laughs> dice. Do you want to try to read the situation a little better, maybe? Yes, I would love to try to read the situation. Is that a sharp roll? Yeah. That's what I thought. Roll sharp for me. All right. That's going to be an 11. Very nicely done. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, um, so yeah, you have that list of questions, but I don't know that the questions really matter so much in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you trying to figure out? You want to know if it's safe for you to approach the flower? I want to know what's, am I safe here? I guess is my question. A question. Hmm. So I think that with a sharp roll of 11, the answer is, for all intents and purposes, yes, you are physically yeah, safe here. You recognize this is your mindscape and you recognize this is your memories and that you are revisiting a place that terrified you. Mm-hmm. But you also realize that you know what you're looking at. And that is something that you didn't have the last time you were here. Right. And, um, and I know that for the most part, obviously one very horrible thing happened here, but for the most part, the rest of it turned out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to look for Rita. Okay. In the memory scape, does that make uh, sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Where do you where do you look for her? Well, she should be somewhere nearby because she came to the mm-hmm. she came to the clearing. Um, sure. I'd like to circle around the plant. I think almost as soon as that thought occurs to you, you see her. Um, Mm -hmm. standing on the other side of the flower. And she's illuminated by the soft blue light coming off of this thing and looking at it sort of Mm trance-like, but peaceful. Okay, I want to go to her. Put a hand on her shoulder. Okay. Uh, You go over and place a hand on her shoulder, and she feels real. Your hand rests there, and she uh, shifts her gaze away from the flower and looks at you with a smile, and says, Hey there, stranger. Hi. I, I, I don't, I stay, I had to stand there for a moment. I don't really know what to do. <laughs> I just, um. Yeah, and I think that that sense of this strange timelessness persists. Uh, it's very hard to tell how quickly anything is happening here, if anything is happening at mm-hmm. all. Um, I think that you stay there for a moment looking at Rita and just the sensation of seeing her in this space and being in this moment is is kind of surreal to you. And 
I think the other thing that's hard for you to figure out is you can't tell if she is in this space with you, if that makes yes. sense. You know that you, Mariah, are in this memory and that you are looking at her, mm-hmm. but you don't know if the person on the other end of this shared memory is having that experience as well, or if this is entirely within your mind. Right. Is there a way for me to find that out, or am I just going to... Yeah, um, that, I think, would be a use magic roll. That's a 10? Whoa, nicely done. Thank you. Um, are you hoping that she is here with you or that she isn't? I'm kind of hoping that she is. I think you think of this, this thought occurs to you, and from where your hand is on her shoulder, suddenly something that looks maybe like sparks or a white light or a gentle flame, some visual that's Mm -hmm. difficult for you to parse and harder for you to nail down is um, gesturing around your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And she glances down at it for a second and then looks back up at you with a sort of lucidity that wasn't there a moment before. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're very certain that she is in this space with you. And she's looking at you with this sort of mystified expression that is mingled with awe somewhere. And she says, how did you get here? (laughs) Would you believe magic? With you, I'd believe anything, babe. I take both of her hands. Mm -hmm. I kiss her on the forehead and uh, sort of rest my forehead against hers and say, do you want to get out of here? (laughs) She smiles and you look down at where your hands are meeting with her hands and uh, suddenly the space around them begins to dissipate. This soft blue light turns into a warmer glow and the area around you settles. The spores sort of settle to the ground and from the top down, the scene begins to dissolve. And it's not frightening because you know that you chose this Mm -hmm. and that this was a moment for you of looking directly into something that used to have so much power over you. And in this moment, It doesn't anymore. Yeah. Good job, Mariah. Thank you. Oh, Oh, boy. That's Addison. They're not bad tears. They're very, it's it's like nice. It's a lot. (laughs) Uh, Siobhan. Yes. You come to wherever you were and you open your eyes and you feel suddenly in a much more solid space than you were a moment ago. You feel rough tree bark up against your back and it takes your eyes a second to adjust because you're looking directly across a campfire and from beyond that campfire on the other edge of what you start to recognize as a campsite uh, a dark tree line is ringing the area and in that tree line you can almost parse the shape of something not quite human but as soon as you try to look at it too long it shifts and it changes and it darts and you can't get your bearings you recognize of course what it is and where you are but in this moment it's just as disorienting as the first time you experienced it how does it feel to be back in this space i have no idea what space this is this is the hide behind stay with it oh okay probably a little bit scary (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm glad my horror game is effective. Do you want me to to detail it? You can if you want. I would love to share this space with you. As she sees the dark figure darting behind the trees, her blood turns to ice water in her veins. Her eyes try and adjust to the fading light as the fire dims, but to no avail. She wildly looks around, trying to get some sort of bearing on her environment, managing to push her back up against a tree. It can't sneak up on you if your eyes are constantly swiveling. See, she you unholsters think her gun. <laughs> I feel like you think this is funny and not really great, but it's great. I know you. You think it's you're both. You think you're making a mockery of my game, but this is actually extremely good storytelling, and I'm here for it. So I know that's thank why you. I'm doing it. I need to prove that I can. I I have always known that you can. Oh, thank you. But yes, you're in this space, and uh, senses sort of reeling and. Uh, suddenly you're confronted again with a problem that I think Siobhan had maybe hoped she was past, which is having an enemy that you can't fight because you can't get your hands on it. And Siobhan is somebody who has tackled so many threats in her life with so much fearlessness and capability. And this situation for her was such an interesting predicament because when you're tasked with the need to protect the people around you from something that you yourself can't even be sure you're seeing, that's a kind of burden that is really difficult for someone so action-oriented to bear. When you're in a place where all you can really do is wait and hope and try to remain vigilant, that takes a toll on you. And I think that that emotional weight is is coming to settle on your shoulders again the longer you're in this space. Um, can you do a sharp roll for me? That's a five. A five? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I took um, all the good dice juice. <laughs> all the good dice juice is gone. <laughs> That's rough. Uh, so you roll a five, and I think what that means is that in the midst of this uh, this very jarring experience and the the strength of this memory, it's impossible for you to fully process the fact that what you're looking at can't be real. It feels so strong and so present. You can detail all of the little ridges in the tree bark that are pushed up against your back through the cloth of your uniform shirt. You can feel the smoke as it dries your face and the air is simultaneously ice cold beyond the trees and burning when you stand too close to the flames and everything about it is so vivid that your mind just can't hold on to any shred of control over the situation you're completely immersed in what you're experiencing here is there anyone else at the campsite um do you remember there being anyone else there immediately? I mean, I know the answer is that, yes, there were other people with you there at the mm -hmm. time, but does Siobhan think of anyone else or look for anyone else specifically? I don't think so. I think it's just her. I think it's just you and the hide behind. Um, I'm going to run. Okay. Siobhan is going to run away. Just away. Through the trees? Yeah. Okay. I think... 
you start to do this. And as you start to run, your feet are pounding the ground and you know you're leaving the fire behind and you're moving through the trees, but the forest doesn't move in a way that makes any sense. You you start running and running and running. And I think as you're doing this, what eventually occurs to you is that you feel like you're not getting anywhere and you look up and notice your surroundings as you're doing so. And through the moments where you think you spot glimpses of the hide behind of the trees around you and your heart is racing and your mind is racing, you start to notice that the trees all look the same. And I think as you're doing this, your mind starts to process that this can't be real and you end up back at the fireplace. Knowing Siobhan, she would just run in a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) She would just try again. Okay. Um, (laughs) Gosh darn it. Uh, Then that's what you do. You, You start running again and you are just making a breakneck pace and your feet are pounding the ground and the branches are whipping at your face and your blood is rushing through your ears. There is so much intensity in this situation. Um, And I think that this time as you run, you are so intent on moving through these trees and getting away that you don't find your way back to the campfire. You don't find your way back to the campsite, but you also can't seem to get out of the forest. It seems like no matter how far you run and no matter how long you go and how straight your path is or how many turns you take, none of it seems to make a difference. You're running endlessly through this forest pursued by something you can't see in a place that you can't get out of. What do you do? Oh, I just want to say that, like, the rules of this space are not particularly rigid. So, like, if it occurs to Siobhan to say, like, oh, I reach for my flare gun, like, even if you didn't have a flare gun a minute ago, you have it when you reach for it. Or, like, if it occurs to you that you need to check on somebody, like, that person is there. This is kind of a very free-form, like, weird, abstract place that you're in. It occurs to Siobhan that she has a hot air balloon. Does it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Siobhan is going to take out her gun in one hand and her big knife in her other one okay you have both of those things yes Um, and she is going to um, use her sense of hearing uh, as opposed Mm -hmm. to sight to try and shoot this thing dead okay um, roll sharp again for me, please. Okay. 2d6 plus sharp. That is an 11. It's the roll for your big knife because it's sharp. Because it's very sharp. You're rolling plus knife. You got an 11. <laughs> the sharp roll is allowing you to try to basically mind over matter this situation and establish, like, a sense of control over this like weird mindscape that you're in the if a good enough sharp roll is what is allowing you to like essentially pierce this veil realize like oh i'm dreaming i can do whatever i need to and then move on with the situation so with an 11 um you're attempting to use your sense of hearing to shoot this thing down and i think you are listening and you 
hear the crackling of the fire again and what suddenly occurs to you is that you're not actually hearing the crackling of the fireplace. The sound that you thought was the fireplace is the crackling of the candles around your feet back in Hawk's living room. And you fire your gun and because you know exactly what you're aiming for and that you're in control of the situation, there is an immediate impact and what you can only assume is the hide behind falls out of the tree to the ground. And for the first time in all the times you've come up against one of these things, you can see it plain as day and it's done. What is done? The hide behind. It is done. It is expired. Oh. It is an X hide behind. Oh, it has okay. ceased Alex. to be. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's pining for the fjords. um and the scene begins to dissolve around you as you realize that this isn't and never will be again a situation that you will be in feeling so powerlessly alone you know what you've been through you know what the situation was and for as much as the forest can hold these strange and horrifying situations of powerlessness. You have seen equally many situations where you've known exactly what you're doing. And you know not only that, but you know that your knowledge and cool-headedness have saved the people that you care about on numerous occasions as well. And your ability to think clearly, even under pressure, I think restores some confidence in you. And looking at it now, you can't help but think that this was perhaps had more of an impact on you than it really should have. And I think that you're able to discard that feeling and exit this mindscape without a second thought. Martha. Hi. Hey. (laughs) You doing all right? Yeah. I am doing all right. You also are in the forest. But you aren't afraid. You're actually sitting cross-legged on the grass. And in front of you, a curious baby spider is exploring the beams of sunlight on tentative little legs. Can I just real quick go back a little bit before that? Okay. Um, so, I don't know. I thought it would be kind of interesting to, like, in the circle... Uh, Mariah did her thing mm-hmm. with her mindscape, and then Siobhan did. Uh-huh. But um, as they were happening, I think that the image of them just like really quickly faded away. Um, uh, the image of who? The people in the scene or the scene itself? In, in the circles, yeah. So in the circle, Martha looking around, it looked like uh Mariah and Siobhan weren't there while they were in their mindscapes. Sure. I think this is all also kind of happening um not linearly, maybe, as much as you're thinking. I don't think it's like Mariah did her thing, then Siobhan did her thing, then Martha's doing a thing. And it's all kind of simultaneous. Right. I just think that that happened and it seemed like forever that they were gone. Ah. And um so I think that took Martha back a little bit to where uh, she was feeling alone and just there. 
Yeah, okay. Um, without people, but then maybe like jolts into this memory. Sure. Do you want to linger in that solo moment for a minute? Well, I think it's it's really impactful, uh, but like in a way that's really hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that she kind of sees both of them just like disappear or fade away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost as if she was thinking that she lost them. Ah. Um, Cause she hasn't experienced this. Yeah. I think there would be something very strange for Martha about going from being sort of the magic person to suddenly exploring this space with other people and not realizing really, or not having any reason to understand or know what that means for any of them and what Mm -hmm. her responsibility is here, but certainly feeling like you maybe have a certain ownership of this situation or a certain responsibility to it. And then not being able to guide them through it, not being there with them while they're doing it and not really knowing what that means for you. Right. Absolutely. Um, So, and that, first it feels like a split second and then it turns into minutes and then hours of her just standing there. Um, in reality, it's probably not hours. It's probably just like Mm -hmm. a second. Sure. But since time is a little confusing. Um, so I think she's just standing there, um, with tears running down her face because she doesn't know what's happening. Um, and then gets jolted into this memory. Yeah, I like that. So you're in this sort of very ambiguous space, this alone space, and you are feeling disconnected. You're feeling isolated. And all of the the sensation that usually accompanies this, this very big magic, these sort of sixth senses that put you in touch with everything and everyone all around you, none of them are giving you any inclination as to where the people that you're looking for are. You feel so cut off from everything that's happening around you. And then suddenly you're sitting on the soft grass and there are beams of sunlight shafting down through the trees and there is Jeffrey. And what is your reaction to seeing him? I don't know how you hug a spider, but... (laughs) (laughs) But there is an attempt. Yeah. Be gentle with him. Yeah, don't squeeze too hard. Insides may come out. Oh, no, please do not. That would be a very bad ending to this little scene cap here. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think um, she, like, looks down at him in her lap and is just like, hey there, bud, Uh, and just, like, kind of scoops him up in her arms and then just kind of sobs quietly. Yeah. And I think, Martha, for you, I think that the challenge of this mindscape is a little bit different. Because I think that you know from the moment you set foot here that it's not real. And I think that for you is what makes it harder. You've had a number of magic dreams before. You've been in these spaces between reality and dreamland where things are kind of strange and time lingers in odd ways and 
you have been someone who throughout the course of your life has revisited these moments of trouble or these upsetting images. And now you suddenly find yourself in the middle of one that you don't necessarily want to leave, but at the same time, you know you can't stay. What do you do? That is a good, good question. <laughs> I mean, I could do the whole like free willy thing. <laughs> uh, go, you're free. I don't want you anymore. Go. No, no I, Martha's not doing that. Is there anything else happening? Because I think after like a few minutes of just quietly sobbing there, um, holding Jeffrey, uh, she opens her eyes and looks around um, to kind of take in the space. Sure. It is utterly serene. There are probably birds chirping somewhere. The weather is, by all Alaskan standards, beautiful. It's very temperate. It's springtime. And there's maybe a light breeze blowing, but it's the kind of place you feel like you could stay forever. And I'm gonna. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! I think you are holding Jeffrey in your lap or in your hands, and he's kind of wiggling around a little bit in a very contented way, maybe sort of curiously climbing around, skittering, and then moving back to where he was resting in your lap. And you're looking at him fondly, and then for a fraction of a second, there's a strange sort of jolt, and you're looking not at Jeffrey, but at Bobo, your stuffed hippo, and then it jolts back, and you're looking at Jeffrey again. And it's this jarring sensation that only lasts a second, but as you look, it happens maybe again. And then, not after that, for several minutes, but it's this very certain sensation that Things are not quite right where they need to be. Uh, let's open up a little line of communication with Jeffrey, I guess. Okay, sure. Oh, that's not good. That's a double one plus the three magic, so a five. A five, huh? Yeah. Um, okay, well... What are you trying I mean, to do? Just, like, do this uh, this mind link thing that you have done in the past? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do that, but I don't think she's really in a spot to do that emotionally. Sure. I think that maybe that's what you try to do. Um, and you do sort of open a, a mind link of sorts, but it doesn't feel quite right. You are communicating and and Jeffrey responds to everything that you send through the mind link kind of happily and carefree, but there doesn't seem to be any real substance behind it. You think you're mostly just hearing back what you want to hear. I kind of look down at him and say, this isn't, this isn't where you're supposed to be. It's where I want to be, but... Oh. It's not quite right, is it, bud? Oh, Martha. He uh, he sort of looks up at you and makes a maybe a 
I don't know what sound giant spiders make. <laughs> I sort of have always envisioned like a little chirping sound. I don't know if that's right, but we'll roll with it. Um, I like it. Yeah, okay. just like a little like, and uh, doesn't quite seem to understand, but. As you look at him, again, you get that same sort of jarring flash of holding Jeffrey and then holding your stuffed animal. And I think you recognize what you're trying to tell yourself in that moment, which is that you can't always hold on to the things that you want to hold on to. Yeah. Can't, can we, bud? Do you put him down? Uh, not, not, I do not kill him. No. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> um, oh, but, do you mercy kill this puppy-sized spider? Do you just break his neck? <laughs> do, you, do you just punt him across the field? <laughs> um, it's like a Team Rocket thing where he like vanishes into the sun. It's like, ding. Oh my god, that's terrible. Everything's fine now. <laughs> um, I think that... Um, I kind of scoop him up off my lap again, and then, um, Mm -hmm. I've been sitting cross-legged, so I kind of get into a kneeling position and just Uh set him down, uh, I think I I set him down facing away from me. Okay, I like that. And you put him down, and the scene begins to sort of dissolve around you. Uh, It's sad, but it's not... It's not necessarily as hard as you thought it would be. Everything is very serene, and there's no sense of... There's not the same sense of confusion that there was in you the last time this happened, because this time you know what the right decision is. And as you place him down and stand up and the scene sort of dissolves away from you, you feel peaceful, I think. As you sort of solidify your stance in this space and start to reach back out again to affect like the memories, um, we're going to end up sort of dipping into some NPC memories and giving you a chance for like little scenes to interact with them and sort of shape those things. And it's going to sort of be the same deal where, like, Mariah was with Rita in her scene, where there might be some ambiguity over, like, is this person, like, actively aware of the role I'm playing here? Like, do they, you know, it's this weird time thing where there are going to be memories from, like, differing points in time, maybe even points in time when you didn't personally know these people. So um, there's just going to be, like, some weirdness and some shifting ground there don't feel like I'm trying to personally throw you off. Like, it's it's going to be kind of strange, and uh, there's going to be a lot of ambiguity. But just do what you're doing. You guys are doing great. Thank We're gonna you. We're going to exception the shit out of them. Yeah. Does anybody super want to go first? I think Mariah's maybe should be last, but I don't know. I'll be last. How you, how Andrew and Tim, if you guys have, like, a preference that you want to do your, your scenes in. I have zero preference. I'll go first. I'll go first. Sure. Okay, sweet. Um, so here we are. So Martha's scene fades out and you all three find yourselves back in this 
uh, this sort of ambiguous space again. And though time doesn't really seem to have any meaning, I think you all at least have enough of a shared connection in this space to have the shared sensation of having been gone and having come back. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean anything in a linear sense, and I don't think any of you could really express where you went or where you are now, but I think each of you sort of understands that there has been a shared experience here, and I think that you also understand in this sort of shared, coalesced environment that you're not done, that there's something else you need to do now. And maybe you get the sensation even that if what you just did was reaffirming how you're going to do what you need to do next, that maybe this process had to start with you and now you can go and share it with others. But you begin to again become conscious of those pinpricks of light, those dots of consciousness that are sort of spread out across your mindscape like constellations. And though you can't necessarily pick them out individually, I think naturally your attentions are drawn outward and elsewhere. And I think maybe there's this shared moment of confirmation, like, yeah, let's go. Siobhan, you find yourself in the ranger station of all places. But even though you recognize it as the ranger station, it's really kind of a strange version of the ranger station. It seems bigger somehow, but all of the furnishings within it are the same to the effect that with the same amount of things in a much bigger space, it feels almost cavernous, almost echoey, almost dungeon-esque. It's a very strange place to be, and the windows all seem higher on the walls than normal, and the light shafts through in odd ways, and the dusk is further from the door. There's there's almost a chasm of space in between where that desk is and where the front door is, a space that normally takes up maybe about 10 feet. And you're sort of adjusting to this weird, this weird cavernous space around you. And you hear a soft clicking sound. And I think your attention is drawn to the desk itself where Riley sits nervously clicking a pen again and again and again and again and again. They don't seem to see you, but... Their eyes are fixated on the door that you feel you must have just entered from. What do I do? And I'm probably going to go up to Riley and say, Have you redecorated? Uh, I don't think that they hear you. They don't seem to perceive you, at least. There might be some gesture as if they... think maybe they heard something, but there's not a clear, it's not clear if you two are inhabiting the same version of this space just yet. Huh. You can try again. Yeah. I'm going to say, because I'm not sure that uh, she would just give up after that one. Um, So I think she would say, uh, I know that was a weird, bad, dumb joke. Um, 
and you're probably not in the mood for any of my weird bad dumb jokes right now. Because I realize that I I probably I hurt you. Not not even probably. You straight up told me. I think that as you say this, maybe you I I don't know, maybe you can tell me what exactly this body language looks like. I think there is some point of contact between you and the desk or you and Riley, whether that's accidentally brushing up against the countertop or placing a hand on the surface of the desk and it brushing against uh, like Riley's fingertips or disturbing the pen in their hands. But there's some point of contact and that contact sparks some sort of gesture recognition and Riley jumps a little bit and looks at you and fully sees you in this moment and they look a bit taken aback and uh, then cock their head to the side a little bit and say Siobhan are you what what are you doing here um you know, I'm not really sure what I what I am doing here. Last I knew, I was at Hawk's place, and now I'm here, I think. Riley looks really confused and um, looks away from you and back over at the door again, kind of shakes their head a little bit and says, But you, you were at Hawk's? That doesn't make any sense. You just left. What what day is it? And um, Riley frowns a little bit and looks at a desk calendar, and the desk calendar is blank. And they say, "I, I don't know. I, I was here, and you, and everyone else. You left. You were going to the." to the park to look for up north. I I don't... What was I going to look for? This doesn't make any sense. The... What was I going to look for? You... They seem to be sort of searching their mind for a second and they shake their head and, and, and frown again and they say, I... I don't think you told me. You were looking for something in the woods with Hawk and and Director Kennedy and Mariah and Martha and, and, and Zoe and there was a hide behind and... But, but then you came back. I think it starts to dawn on both of you that what's happening here is... Again, obviously, a memory, but it's not particularly clear. It's getting all mingled up with the things that both of you know now, and that's coloring it in some strange ways. And the more that the Riley of this memory starts to remember the things that Riley knows now, the more confused their facial expression becomes. And then, just for a second, they look at you and say, Why are you here now? I I need to make things right. I I guess. I don't know. I didn't I didn't consciously choose to come here. 
but here I am, so there's got to be a reason for it. Uh, they kind of give a little half smirk and say, yeah, I mean, I get that. But don't, don't you have somewhere to be? You, you always have somewhere to be. My place where I need to be is right here. Riley uh, smiles for a second and then looks down at the desk and then looks back up at you and says, I kind of miss you. I... I miss you too. I know you're busy, and I know that the things that you're doing are important for everyone, me included, but I... I don't know. I kind of wish that more people would trust me to do them together. I... I know that I've been treating you with... with kid gloves on. And... You're not. You're a, you're a capable park ranger and one of my closest friends. And I'm sorry that I haven't been a good friend to you. Riley um, smiles a little bit and brushes a hand across their eyes and then leans forward on the desk with... Their hands, uh, their hands folded and their, their chin resting on their forearms and says, Do you know what I'm the most scared of, really? I mean, I know I'm, I'm scared of a lot of things, but you know what the only thing that really keeps me up at night is? What is it? I'm terrified of being the only one here on the day that nobody else comes back. Yeah, that's a scary thought. I used to think it would be way worse being out there, but I'm not so sure anymore. I just, I don't want to get to wherever all of this is going and feel like, for better or worse, I didn't have anything to do with it. I completely understand, um, and I think up until now, this was just my weird backwards way of protecting you, I guess, and I realize that you don't need protection, especially not for me. You're... You're absolutely right. There's there's no excuse for it. Suddenly, Riley is hugging you. They have their arms wrapped around you, and it doesn't make a lot of sense because a second ago there was a desk there, and now there isn't, but that seems to be far more inconsequential than the rest of what's happening in this moment, which is that for the first time in a while, you're sharing a moment with your friend, and Riley's voice is a little choked up as they sort of rest their chin on your shoulder and say, you know, I haven't told you yet, but you're really good at this job. You're really good at yours, too. I think that as you're 
standing here in this space, um, you can't really describe the process of it happening, but the station is a bit more recognizable. The proportions of everything are, are more where they need to be, and the sunlight streaming in through the window seems less harsh and unnatural. You can see the tree line outside, and for whatever it's worth, you notice that it's the tree line the way it's supposed to be and not the way it's looked of late. This feels right in a way that it hasn't in quite some time. And then the scene begins to dissolve. Are these all going to make me cry? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) We'll find out, I guess. Catharsis, I say with jazz hands. 